Hello and welcome to episode 88 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community, match by match, fan by fan, down under story by down under story. You guessed it, folks. Today, we have Brendan Matthews with us, better known as at LAFC AUS, our friend from down under. Crocky might throw shrimp on a Barbie. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That was terrible. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I spent a month in Australia and not once did anyone ever cook shrimp on a barbecue anywhere I went. And when I asked why, they were like, we don't cook shrimp on barbecues. What are you talking about? I was so disappointed in my 13-year-old self to share the story. Good commercials, though, from Outback. But it's exciting times. First of all, Brendan, welcome again to the show. Excited to have you. I know that you're an avid listener of all the podcasts and you know, shared interest in being on. And we're really excited to have you share your experience and how you discovered LAFC and everything about your involvement all the way from down in Australia. So we'll talk about that in the interview. But big news, big week for us. It's game week. First game against Austin FC, new team in the league. The first match is Saturday, April 17th, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fun fact, in Australia, it's Sunday, 8 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Kind of crazy that you're going to be up at 8 a.m. in Australia watching LAFC, but uh, we're looking forward to it. Thoughts? Chris, what do you think? It's like playing a game in the future, right? Because he's going to be getting the scores on a Sunday, so that, that throws me off. But I'm excited. I think that Austin has definitely... They have a good squad so far. They have a couple of DPs, a couple of the players that are a little bit more notable that have been uh, drafted in the expansion draft. Some players from NYCFC that stand out, like Alex Ring and Nick Lima has played for the national team. So it'll be interesting. I think that there's a lot of buzz around Austin, kind of like how there was a lot of buzz around LAFC back in 2018. And a lot of the analysts that I've read when they're trying to give their predictions of each team throughout the season a lot of people are expecting good things from Austin, not necessarily being as bold as to predict success like LAFC did in their expansion season, but I think that they're expecting them to be contenders in the playoff race. It should be interesting. This will be the fourth year in a row that LAFC would look to go and win on opening day when they have their opening day at the bank. And they played Cincinnati at home they did, yeah. last week last for the year. opening day. Last right. year, yeah. Right. And it was it was a nice welcome to that expansion side. And it's good that we're welcoming these expansion sides. I wasn't um, last year, Miami. You're right. You're right. That's it was right. Cincinnati. So two it was ago. Miami and it was Cincinnati was two years ago in 2019. Yeah. Actually, on this day, two years ago, I just did a post on LAFC history about it two years ago today. It's, I think it's cool that LAFC gets to kind of welcome in these expansion sides. It's a nice gesture, I think, kind of like an alms branch. Like, hey, look, we were the new guys at one point, and now we're extending the leaf to pass it on to you guys. So You bring up good points in terms of the team being or perceived to be strong, right? First of all, head coach Josh Wolf, he, he played with Bob Bradley. He has some national team experience. Sporting director Claudio Reyna, he had some stints with NYCFC. I think he was involved with the the Cosmos that's at one point he been involved with the national team probably one of the best midfielders ever for the U.S. national team his son's playing at Dortmund too so you know some good pedigree there in terms of DPs Cecilio Dominguez and Tomas Pochettino haven't heard of them but they're getting paid big money I assume that they're good players notable players like you said Nick Lima I believe he was with San Jose Earthquakes previously Matt Besler been a true professional with Sporting KC for a long time Alex Ring NYCFC, Diego Fagundes. So strong, strong, solid team there. And then Daniel Pereira, 
who is their number one draft pick. So I think they're going to have a solid season in the hunt for a playoff spot for a first season. I think with the team I just mentioned, but it doesn't mean we need, we don't have to slap them around this first game. I think they're not going to be able to have a functional team this early. At least that, that's not what I expect. Thoughts on that, Jonathan and Brennan? Yeah. Pereira, the number one overall pick in the draft. Dominguez, their first DP, a young guy. They've kind of gone the LAFC route and invested about two-thirds of their team in being young, and the other third of their team in being sort of the aged veterans that know their way around. Hopes that the you know, the veterans will get the young guys up to speed and hopefully they catch lightning in a bottle soon. But if they don't, they'll still develop well. I think they've gone a very smart way about it, smart people behind their operations. I'm very curious to see how they span out over the course of a whole season. Not expecting gangbusters from them right out the block. But, you know, the thing about a team that hasn't played that many games together, there's not that much film to watch on them. You know, you don't have that many football ideas to try and break down and analyze. So you kind of just have to react to what's going on. And that really adds this element of surprise. Who knows what could happen? Interesting to see. I don't think there's going to be much in the way of broccoli supporters that are going to be out here joining us. Forgive me if, if I make fun of them because their logo looks like a piece of broccoli. It's just the Stewie Griffin inside of me that hates broccoli, but I know it's named after an ancient tree that's 500 years old where their town was founded underneath when they signed the particular treaty, Treaty Oak, I think it's called, but uh, it still looks like a piece of broccoli. Sorry, I'm not, not letting that down. Um, but their supporter section looks like it's developed quite quickly. Interesting to see. They've already got three SGs that I've heard of. They have their own supporters band that's out, La Murga, which is like a whole brass band. Of course, uh, obviously, any kind of brass instruments not allowed right now in light of COVID. But that's going to be very interesting to see. They've already got a band when they have their first home games and they're allowed to bring their trumpets and whatnot in. We know they've got the Burnt Orange Brigade, the Oak Army, and Los Verdes, which are already three sort of thriving supporters groups and some supporter culture. So who knows? They might find a way to get some tickets, find their way in the bank. We might, you know, you never know. They might float around outside the bank or something. It could be very interesting to see what they bring in terms of support, unknown at this point, but seems to be developing well. I saw some pictures of a closed door preseason game they had like a week ago, and they had dozens of fans outside with drums, pop and smoke, trumpets, the whole nine yards. So certainly looks like they have the support thing dialed in. We'll see how much of it, how active it is, and, and what kind of coordination they have once they get in their stadium. Interesting to see. I'm very excited. Anytime there's a new blood, new club in the league, beautiful new stadium, some kind of crazy hybrid grass that's like scientifically designed to withstand heat. It's designed just for soccer. There's a lot about the people behind the club that seems very interesting to me, but I'm curious what's, uh, you know, from the information wire is passed to you down under, Brennan. And what are you thinking about Rockley FC? Well, funny you should mention that. Matt of mine down here loves going to Austin, so he's jumped on the FC Broccoli bandwagon. So we've already got a couple of nickels going down in our group chats about who's going to win the opening game. Seeing this stadium, seeing looks nice. I do feel sorry for the fans, though, with the pandemic possibly not coming to the game. Going to the first ever game of a club is huge. I was there in Seattle. I want to see... New supporters be able to go to their first game because it's an amazing experience. Their team looks interesting. See how they all adapt. Our defense has to be on their toes, though. Just like us in Seattle, we scored early because no one knew what we were capable of. We need our defense to be able to react as soon as they can. Yeah, and obviously we have new players we're integrating into our squad. What are we going to see as far as a signing starting lineup from the black and gold? We're going to see any of those new players come in right away. 
Is it going to be a similar lineup to what we saw in CCL last year? How are these guys fitness after a late run in CCL and a shortened off season for them? You know, COVID restrictions, how much time they've had to work together. So many variables, so many jitters for this first game of the season. It's hard to take much from these preseason matches, but none of our performances in any of these preseason matches has been particularly dominant, whether you take something from that or not. It's still lots of ties, lots of high-scoring affairs on both sides. So it's going to be fun for those who get to see it. And we know that there are a few people who might be able to get to see it. Chris, can you shed a little more light on that for us? Yeah, I think the the hot ticket right now is people are wondering. It's currently Tuesday, and there's still no official word of who is going to be able to go into the bank this upcoming Saturday to watch LAFC play Austin FC. And uh, the news that everybody has been hearing is that you will find out Thursday, April 15th, and that is going to be the official date. Some of the information that we do know is the only people allowed inside the stadium are going to be season ticket holders. And I heard today from a reliable source that it's not specifically going to be people with the highest seniority. It's going to be a little bit of an algorithm that is about kind of your seniority, a little bit of how, you know, because if your seniority is all in one section, they can't just put everybody in one section. So they're trying to also accommodate other areas. So some of the club people are probably going to get some tickets. Obviously, some 3252 members are probably going to get some tickets. And so that's just how they're, it's not all, it's a little bit of an algorithm and nobody knows the exact algorithm of how it all works together, but it's not just your seniority that is going to get you into the bank first come first serve. And that makes sense. So it's seniority mixed with location because you would still want that minimum of six feet or enough space within the COVID protocols. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, On top of that too, for anybody that has more than two tickets on their account, LAFC is limiting the number of tickets per account to being a max of two, because again, they want to try and make everybody fair. So if they're allowing 4,400 people in as a capacity and you figure everybody has potentially two tickets, that's only 2,220 accounts of people that are going to be let in. So, you know, some people are, I think, thinking like, oh, I was one of the first 5,000 deposit holders. Like, well, that's not necessarily going to be enough to get you in, but that might be enough to get you in for the next game against Houston. And uh, tickets are transferable. And then in terms of the stadium, you must wear a mask at all times. No gathering in the concourses, no tailgating, absolutely no tailgating, especially in Christmas tree lane. Everything will have to be pre-ordered. And that is a California guideline. The health department officials will also be on sites. They'll be enforcing anybody that doesn't follow the rules. And of course, if you don't follow the rules, it's probably going to fall back onto LAFC for not being able to maintain the rules in their facility. And Things are changing all the time. As we all know, we are in a higher tier. So the limitations that we have in terms of the body count is based off of us in the red tier, even though now Los Angeles County is in the orange tier. So it's just the fact that LAFC has already moved forward with these provisions in order to make accommodations. It was a lot harder for them to try and now add more people for the capacity they had already kind of set for themselves. You know, I'm interesting, Jonathan, you went to opening day at Dodger stadium and you had an in-person experience with what the Dodgers had for their in games. And it wasn't necessarily the best. Now, granted, it might've been because it was their first baseball game in uh, 500 days and they had the learning curve and things like that. But hopefully LAFC is able to learn from those uh, errors. Yeah, it was rough. Friday was the home opener for the Dodgers. 
I also went Sunday and it seemed like they had a lot more figured out by Sunday, but logistics on Friday were rough. Long, long lines everywhere you went, people running out of stuff. The mechanism of ordering your food ahead of time via the app and picking it up really did not change your contact time or experience at all. So I'm not 100% sure what that does other than really add a step. And then, of course, everything is going to be cashless. But whether you paid with your phone or paid with a credit card when you got up to the front and placed an order, or frankly, when you had placed an order on your phone, you had to like show them your phone and hand them your phone, which to me seems like more contact than if I had just put a credit card in a machine and walked away. So the whole pre-ordering didn't make a whole lot of sense, caused massive, massive lines to form and really was not an effective process. Now, they'd completely done away with that by Sunday. And for Sunday's game at Dodger Stadium, you just walked up and ordered like normal. They just accepted no cash. They did have these machines you could go and put cash in and it would crank out a prepaid card for you was a little interesting but it was a bit of a nightmare logistically friday hour hour and a half long lines for everything because they had limited the number of concession stands limited the number of merch stations so everyone was sort of piled in in the same area which kind of destroyed the whole social distancing thing it was pretty awkward Uh, frankly if i hadn't been on the other side of both my vaccinations i don't know how comfortable i would have felt with friday's experience sunday on the other hand they definitely seem to have gotten some stuff figured out so Let's hope similar ownership, some connections between the two. They're sharing some ideas. And that means that Dodger Stadium might have piloted some programs that will hopefully have honed for LAFC's home opener. But curious to see. We know that some other stadiums, San Jose, I think, has alluded that they're going to have certain sections of the stadium that are going to be set aside just for the vaccinated, where they can increase the quantity or at least the density of people in those areas to around 60, 70% based on California guidelines so that people who do not want to get or cannot get vaccinated can still go into a, you know, a 20%, 30% filled other section of the stadium. And people who are vaccinated can find certain sections in which they could sit at a 60, 70% density. So very curious to see that San Jose seems to be rolling that out and whether that makes its way down to us or not. I'm sure if the club is as smart as we all know they are, they're looking at all of these options. So fascinating to see exactly how this is going to develop and how this is going to play out on Saturday. We know 3252 has released a new chant for the game. So all of our 3252 brethren, we encourage you to go to your normal sources and find that information. It is a chant dedicated to Mo. So hopefully everyone learns that and is ready to celebrate his life on Saturday. I know that's going to be a very important part of what we're doing as well, too. So, so much to look forward to for this weekend. And for those of you who are not going to be able to be there in person, we know that there are going to be some socially distanced watch parties out there. But we're going to be able to catch this game on TV. It looks like Estrella is back as our TV Espanol partner. So everybody out there can watch KRCA Channel 62 to catch the game in Spanish. And then we were on the Big Fox this weekend as far as the English broadcast. So good to see LAFC making some big waves, getting some big broadcast partners, both in the Spanish and English world. Very, very exciting to see. You guys have any thoughts on our broadcast partners or any final thoughts on the game coming up this weekend, gentlemen? Correction on this first match. is I think it's on Fox Supporters. So Fox got everything on this first match because I think it's a national event with Austin and LAFC. But yes, I'm excited about Estrella TV. 
I mean, I speak Spanish, so I watched their coverage and it got progressively better and it was difficult during the pandemic. I think as things open up and there's better experience within the stadium, I think that always adds to anything you watch on TV. So excited for them to renew the partnership with LAFC. Francisco, if you're listening, come on the pod soon, you know, tell us about how this happened. I want to hear that story, but he's been a great advocate and he, you know, he comes on to some of the English stuff too. So happy to have them be able to join. Number one, number two, happy that they're also over the air available for LA. That makes it easier for the fandom and the support to grow, especially in the Spanish speaking community in Los Angeles and all over the country and maybe in Australia. I know there's those Latinos and Latinx people down in Australia that are finding about LAFC. Brendan's doing his work evangelizing out there. So want to make sure that they know that there's Spanish content out there for them to be able to watch uh, highlights in the game. Yeah, just one last thing that I want to add in too is uh, parking. For any of those that if you do find out that you are going to the game, either this weekend or the following weekend, you have to pay for parking in advance if you're one of the people that doesn't use public transportation to get to the bank. Just make sure that if you are looking to drive your own personal vehicle, that you pay for the parking ticket in advance because you will not be any of day of parking. Just a thought on parking as well, too. We know that the Coliseum is going to be hosting a game that morning, which should be getting out right around the same time we are heading in. So definitely recommend people head to the MLK lot. I forget if that's the blue or the green lot. Forgive me. I think it's the blue lot. The green lot is the one that's over by the museums, but definitely want to head to the lot on MLK to avoid all of that traffic coming out of the Coliseum would be the smart move for those of you that are not traveling via some other form of transportation. Well, that's about it. We don't have much else to discuss for this weekend's upcoming game. Brendan, did you have anything you wanted to add about the upcoming match and season opener? Yeah, unfortunately, it's not being shown here in Australia, so kind of to find some other ways around to watching that game. I may or may not have openly admitted to one of our co-presidents I might have to illegally stream it, but that's sorry for another time. Of ours to you, matey. Pirates ahoy. Yeah, VPN. I mean, we would never do that. So with that, not much else in the world of LAFC news, at least in the past week or so. We know down south in Carson, they have a new designated player. Uh, Kevin Cabral's come in, 21-year-old right winger, signed on a $6 million, I think $5.9 million deal. It's a five-year deal, which I believe is the longest contract the Galaxy have ever given out, uh, which is a bit surprising for someone who's only 21 years old. But we know he played for Valencia's second team with seven goals, four assists. I came out of the PSG Youth Academy. Definitely them going young with a DP is not something we're really used to from Carson. So perhaps maybe they see something in this person and certainly to give them a five-year contract is impressive. Uh, We know that they went out and spent $350,000 of general allocation money plus a first-round pick in the Super Draft just to get the discovery rights to this player from FC Cincinnati, which is a huge amount to pay just for the right to sign them, let alone shelling out $6 million in your transfer fee to bring in this DP, right winger, someone to feed Chicharito the ball. This does not spell something very positive for us in the black and gold world. But I know as Chris often says on this show, the LAFC Galaxy Derbies are a lot more fun when both teams are better, in his opinion. I personally would love to see them lose 10 nil every time. But for the, those of you that are in the camp. The Clasico Angelino. Clasico that Angelino. is the name. That is the name, bro. I'm that like for me, it went 
from like the LA Derby to the 110 Derby to that. That's the name, bro. The Clasico Angelino. That is the name, dude. Carlos Vela put it out on Twitter last year. That's an official. And yes, anything that makes that competition between the Galaxy and LAFC more competitive, more eyes, we want to be the marquee game. We want to have the marquee rivalry in all of MLS. And it's not going to happen as long as the Galaxy continue to have their struggles. So, of course, I want them to be better. I just don't want them to be better than us. That's a slippery slope. They can be as good as they want. As long as we score the 92nd, 93rd minute winner every game, I'll be happy. Ricky time. I like it. I find interesting about this deal. I mean, ever probably in the last few years, after or the last couple of years after Slatan is uh, they're finally catching up with the rest of the league is doing and going younger, as, but slowly but surely, right? And I don't understand the five-year deal on this. That that's the only thing that baffles me. The money and the age of the player that makes sense to me. That's what everyone is trying to do with Pabon having his issues and injury. It makes sense. Uh, it's probably not the way that they wanted. They probably wanted Pabon and this player. But it's about time that they wake up and try to think like the rest of the league um, and be younger, more dynamic. And like you said, Jonathan, they need this type of player to be able to feed Chichetti to the ball. So Greg Vanny seems to be bringing the right tools for them. At the same time, they're not solving their defensive issues. I've been hearing rumors that they're trying to sign a defender before the season begins. But I'm happy with them getting as many offensive players as they can and leaving themselves defenseless against Villa and Rossi and whoever we sign. So it seems like a signing that is primarily to protect the future and secondarily to protect Chicharito. Him coming in this late in the transfer window, this close to start a season, it's going to be a while till he gets his run of form. Obviously, look, 11 points for Valencia, too. It's a player that's got some talent. The 2022 Kevin Cabral is definitely one I'm a little more scared of than the 2021 version. But anyone that makes Chicharito better and is the threat themselves, not something I'm particularly stoked about. So I suppose good on them for for the first time in a long time that I can remember signing a, a DP designated player that maybe has a lot use, of potential, a lot of upside. Maybe you could use Chicharito's life coach too. So we'll know. We don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, speaking of designated players, and ironically, a team that is typically used to having more than three designated players, but transitioning that same concept to another, it uh, looks like Miami got busted with the Blaze Matuidi accidentally having a fourth DP on their roster. Shame on you. Naughty, naughty. Looks like uh, in Little English Boys, Little Club has gotten into a little bit of trouble. What are your guys' thoughts on Miami's fourth DP? And what that might mean for the fight in Beckham's. You know what? I think that David Beckham is one of those people for MLS that they realized that he was kind of what started the upward trend of the MLS as a competitive league. And I think that this is going to be David's way of saying, look, we need to have four DPs anyway, so might as well start with us. And, you know, let's just let's just have it. So it may not happen right now, but I think that this is just more of the case to say, hey, look, we need to have more marquee players on every roster. And that's how this conversation is going to start. What I would say is that he learned this when he played with the Galaxy. They got three DPs and they kind of forced the hand of the league because Beckham was involved to have three DPs and the rule changed. So I think he's trying to put some of those learnings now as an owner and press because he has a name probably don't want to get negative press the league doesn't so it, this is probably going to get resolved but in the near future i agree with you he's he's pressing it so that we as a league can have four players that are of notable name and who else 
but David Beckham to use as an excuse to be able to do that as a league. So the bigger cities are going to be able to do this. I'll be interested in what type of advantage the smaller market teams will try to do with bringing maybe younger, a fourth young player instead of having a marquee name. But I want it. I want more more good players to have the option to come from Europe or from South America, Central America, Australia, wherever. More ability the owners can invest and spend money to have good players on. I love it. So hopefully this accident, quote unquote, gets accepted in the near future. I think we'd all love another DP slot to be available to every team, but let's do it the fair way, please. Carson, Miami would be appreciated. I suppose the one upside to all this is it means we don't have to see Pavone this year, just something I'm, I'm welcoming gladly. But with that, um, I think that about wraps us up. You guys got anything else before we head into the interview? Actually, yes, of course. I have to do my weekly Brian Rodriguez watch. So we, we need like a it. sound alert for Brian Rodriguez watch. Like dun, 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 Brian. Uh, so Brian Rodriguez got a start for Almedia. I believe it was on Sunday that they played in a 2-1 loss to Real Zaragoza. Originally, when Brian got loaned out, Almedia was sitting in second on the table. Right now, they're sitting at third, which is three points against the club that's in fourth place right now. And they have eight more matches remaining. So in that match that Brian started, he played 60 minutes. He took one shot. So I think so far in his whole time with Almedia, he's made, I think, nine appearances and he has one assist. So I'm kind of leaning towards, especially if Almedia does not make it, to La Liga, I'm really leaning towards Brian coming back. And if they do make it to La Liga, it doesn't seem like Brian was as instrumental in getting them there. So I still think that we're going to get Brian back, which, you know, for me, I think that, like I've always said, having Brian on our roster when we have Diego and Carlos on the pitch, it allows Diego and Carlos to get open and be able to make magic happen. So I'm okay with Brian coming back. Curious if. His whole, I need to go to Spain, I'm good enough to play in Spain, whether that actually came from him or came through his agent or whether that was just media hype or not. But that mentality that if he just gets over there, he'll achieve. That if he got over there, he doesn't achieve and he comes back to us. Does that mean he's going to redouble his efforts to improve and better himself and integrate himself and prove that he's worthy of taking that step again? What does that mean in his career? How does he take it? Guy's really at a nexus in his career, and hopefully these crossroads take him in a positive direction. But it's disappointing to see him not destroying it over there with Almeida. I think that it's going to be how he's received on his way back. I think that if he comes back and, A, if he has a positive attitude and he realizes that maybe he wasn't quite ready for what he thought that he was ready for. I mean, when you think about the Uruguayan national team, you're playing with a team of all-stars all around you, right? When now if you go to LAFC or if you go to Almeria, you're playing with players that more than likely don't represent their countries on the national level. So of course, if you're around all of these players that are the best of the best from your country, and it's not like Uruguay is not one of the top 10 teams at the national level, of course, your play is going to be heightened because of the people that are around you. And so maybe that was part of the reasoning of why Brian's performance is not at what he expected it to be. But I think that, like I said, it's going to be all prevalent on how his attitude is and what the team's demeanor is towards him as he comes back if it's an environment that's welcoming and hey man we're happy to have you back I think that you're more than likely going to get more out of Brian Rodriguez and if he comes back to an environment where he feels like he is not wanted well I definitely think 
there's some fans that are not going to be too happy to see him back. And it's going to take a lot of effort on his part to win the black and gold faithful back over after the manner in which he left. But Christian, I was going to say, no, I'm interested in what Brennan thinks. I actually watched his game on the weekend. He actually played. Okay. It was, wasn't his best game. Wasn't his worst game. He actually played decently. If he comes back, just hope the fans just drop it and let him come back. Just drop it. You know, Hopefully he comes back better when he left. He can only go better than what he was. For the Uruguayan national team, I have my own thoughts on them. We've played them multiple times in Australia to get into the World Cups, and there's been some rivalries there between us. So, I think the counter-argument here is European managers, coaches, teams are able to watch him, right? So if he's putting in decent performances with a La Liga 2 team, then it's easier for such managers and teams to imagine, hey, if we give him better players around him, his speed, his aggressiveness can give us an, another factor. So that's the counter argument, the counter thought that I've had. So maybe that's his play, maybe not necessarily helping, but he still has an angle for his agent and himself to be able to speak to other La Liga teams or other other top five European leagues and bring a reel of the things that he's been able to do, maybe not score, but some of the other things that he's been able to do and then attach that to the reels of his national team performances. So I'm still not giving up on him staying out there and only because he doesn't fit the way we play with him being a third winger. I think he's not played well in the middle and then he's not been as effective on either of the wings when Ross and Vela are here on the flip side if rossi is sold then i want him back because it's going to be hard to find another winger that's as dynamic as him so those are my thoughts on mr rayito and his spanish stint all right with that well why don't we go ahead and transition into the interview portion of today's show once again joining us from all the way from melbourne down under we have mr brendan matthews at lafc aus on of course the twitter where everyone knows him from and instagram as well too Thank you once again, Brendan, so much for joining us. Sorry to wake you up a little bit early today, but really appreciate with the time change and all you still being able to join us, sir. That's all good. Pleasure to be on here with you guys. You could just read the dictionary to me and I could just hear your voice say it and it would be captivating for me. I absolutely love the Australian accents. Fascinating stuff. But what we're fascinated with at the moment is how you fell in love with the beautiful game, sir. When did it enter your life and how did you fall in love with football? It's always been in my life here and there. You know, grade one, Playing school soccer, was decided to give it a crack, get out of class that way. Yeah, then moved around the country quite a bit. Then back when the A-League started up here in Australia, I was working with a couple of guys and like, oh, who do you follow in soccer? I was like, Dundee United. That's who I could, first time it came to my head. They're like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. We're going to A-League, want to come? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Went to a few games here in Australia and just love for it, just kept rolling. Started looking more into the Dundee United side of my family. Found out that my... Um, great-grandmother was actually from there so i'm like perfect it makes it picking up team a lot easier and then, yeah just looked into it more fell in love with the game more and obviously growing up being a bit of a gamer fifa's like fifa 98 was one of the first ones i remember leading up to the world cup you're picking up what what, what did you play back then n64 playstation back then that was the sega masters drive oh wow <laughs> nice nice what made you um, or is, is football or soccer your preferred sport? I know there's Australian rules football. In Australia, there's rugby. There's also cricket. There's quite a few sporting traditions in Australia. Oh, yeah. I'm just a sports fan. You know, sit me down, I'll watch any sport. Like, I'll watch, happily watch a five-day test match cricket. I'll watch baseball. I'll watch um, lacrosse. A mate of mine actually played, used to play lacrosse here, then moved to Denmark and helped get the 
national team back up and running over there. AFL, I'll go watch soccer, rugby league, rugby union. You name it, I'll watch it. So is, is soccer your preferred sport? Is that the one you're most passionate about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say that's my most passionate one about just because the chance, the atmospheres are so much better. The segregation between supporters during that 90 minutes. You go watch an AFL game, you'll see a Hawthorne supporter sit next to a Bomber supporter. They don't separate each other. So that separation, that tribal instinct, that just that passion out, it's just amazing. It's what I love. So the Australian A-League started in the mid-2000s. 2005 was its initial season. How long after that did you then get introduced to the MLS and what made you even start watching the MLS in the first place? For me, the MLS, we'd always see the um, Portland-Seattle games on ESPN over here. Galaxy came out and played Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC when Beckham was playing. They came out for a little tour. That would have been around 2011, I believe. In 2012, me and my partner decided to come for a trip to America, do a big trip. We wanted to go to Comic-Con, Disneyland, all that kind of stuff. So like, cool, we'll make a trip. We'll come out and do all that. While we're coming over, I was looking at, um, I was like, oh, I'll go watch local soccer over there. Go watch the football. Had two games to choose from. Galaxy versus Juventus. Galaxy versus Chivas USA. I decided to go to the Galaxy versus Chivas USA game. I'm not Beckham's biggest fan. He's a good footballer. Something about him, I just don't like. I don't know what it is. I just don't like him. So I'm like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't go for the Galaxy. There's no way. So I jumped on Google, looked up supporter groups for Chivas USA. You had Black Army and District 9 Ultras. Done social media, looked at them and went, eh, I'll reach out to the Black Army first. Reached out to them. Like, yep, come down. More welcome to come stand with us, chat with us. More than welcome. Guess the game day, catch a cab, walk out there. They told me where they were tailgating, walked over. One of the former members walks over and goes, here's two Black Army t-shirts, here's a game ticket, here's a shot, have a drink, let's party. And from there, I've just been a member of the Black Army since then. That's awesome. That's so dope. I mean, that's what, I mean, but that's what supporter culture is all about, right? Like you, you just reach out to somebody and they're like, Hey man, you know, they're so welcoming. That's, that's amazing. So what did you think? Like, I mean, had you ever been accepted into anything like that so quickly before in your life? Yeah. You got me and my mates here. We have a little supporter group for the Melbourne victory side that I support here. We're the back row hooligans or BRH. We stand at the back of the terrace because it's the closest to get to the bar with a bunch of alcoholics. At the moment, we've got a nickname for us going around called the Back Row Boo Boys because Melbourne Victory is last on the ladder. Our players are playing like absolutely, so we just boo them off the pitch. Like, this isn't good enough. We're a team that should be one of the best in the country. We're losing 6-0 to Melbourne City. We're losing 4-0 to Sydney. That shouldn't happen. So when players aren't doing it, we'll boo them off the park and tell them to get better. That's classic. I love it. So what was the transition like for you from... Chivas USA to LAFC, experiencing that from such a distance, but still so integrated within the culture here through the Black Army. Well, like the Black Army, I've never really had a connection with Chivas USA. It's always been they're the, they're not Galaxy, so I'm going to cheer for them. They didn't represent to me what LA was really about. They were just, oh, we're a team, we're not Galaxy. Yay. When I started reading more about how Chivas USA was going downhill, rumors of league taking away licenses. I was a bit excited going, cool. LA cannot be a one-team town. It just cannot be. It's too big for that. Hopefully the next team will be a team for LA by LA. When I started seeing all these little things drop, the Black Army was saying in our group chats, I'm like, yes, this is what 
it's supposed to be about. This is what LA is to me. And reading all that, seeing it all, I'm like, no, I've got to go to the first game. The first game of the, the play in the MLS, I have to go. So the trip ended up costing me three grand Australian to fly over there, go to the Seattle. Uh, flying uh, from yeah. Sydney, or I mean, I'm assuming you would have to reroute through Sydney. Flying from Sydney to Seattle, that is a very, very long plane flight. I, I, I can't imagine. You, you have a layover, Hawaii at least, get, get you know, Couple tiki drinks on your way over? No, I actually went from Melbourne to Auckland, Auckland to LA, crashed night in LA at a friend's house. Then the next day, had a flight from LA to Seattle. That was the day before the game. Funny story waiting at the airport, seeing a lot of people in black and gold jerseys. I'm like, I've got to go over, say hi. Walked over, started talking to a couple of people at the airport, waiting for the same flight, talking a bit of next minute. Guy walks over, goes, Oh, you guys going out for the game? Yeah, yeah. Goes, Cool, I work for the club. Oh, awesome. Get chatting. So, yeah, you know, I've been on Twitter, been talking to Rich and Pat, saying I'm a young, crazy strain. I'm coming over for the game. I knew in the back of the head, they're like, this kid's not coming. This kid's not coming. It's just not going to happen. He goes, yeah, well, we're all going to the pub tonight. I'm like, yeah, I know about that. I'll see you at the pub. Get off the plane. Say bye to everyone because I'd go do some stuff downtown, get a phone number while I was there and all that kind of stuff. Get a phone number, walking down, exploring Seattle. Never been to Seattle, Seattle before. And I bumped into the same guy who has to, to be... um christian from lafc he goes oh i used to live here i'll show you around a little bit so we walk a block and he gets a phone call it was from rich saying hey i just saw you walk past i'm at the pub across the road come in and say hi he goes do you want to meet rich I'm like perfect walk in rich looks at me and goes you're the australian aren't you i'm like yeah he goes you're actually here <laughs> come have a drink that's awesome you know, that's awesome that that seattle match was you know I mean, you're never going to be at a club's first match ever again type of thing like that. I mean, you know, our brothers at FCFC give Slim a hard time all the time because he missed it. I mean, it. I mean, I wasn't there. You know, I don't think Christian was there and Jonathan. Like, those were matches that you're never going to get back. And so it's it's envious, you know. I'm, that's such an amazing story, man. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah that's a Slim. <laughs> and that's why I feel sorry for the Austin FC supporters because they're not probably going to be able to get to LA for the game, see the team for the first ever time. So that's why I feel sorry for them coming into the league right now. That's yeah, it's true. I didn't a, even really think about that. Just a terrible timing for them. I'm sure there are a couple of them that'll find their way in the stadium. There's oh. always going to be the opportunistic few broccoli shirts floating around. Oh, yeah, I hope so too, but then there'll just be a bunch of slims. <laughs> Shouts to our brother. We love you. <laughs> So what is the what is the fan experience like? So obviously you get to attend arguably the greatest match in club history or certainly one of the most memorable experiences in club history. How often do you get to come back out? How do you get to absorb the games while you're down there? You know, what is it like being a supporter of a club from so far away? Well, since that game, I've been to, I'd say it's Seattle away. I didn't go to the, Utah game the week after because I couldn't get flights over there. So I stayed in LA and did a watch party. I've done, I think, four or five home games at the bank. Seen the, seen Carson at home at the bank. Seen Revs at home at the bank. Quakes at home at the bank. I try and get over as much as I can. Like last year was the first time since 2014 I haven't been over at least once. 2019 and came over three times. Got to go to the 352 President Jimmy's wedding 
got invited to that, so had to make sure I come over for that. Supporting from such a far is hard. I went like it is hard. Like trying to get people into it is one of the hardest things because we're all a bunch of Euro snobs over here. If it's not Manchester, if it's not Leeds United, if it's not Barcelona, Real Madrid, we don't want to know. Unless they're world famous names, we don't want to know. But how do you get world famous if you don't look at it? So I'm trying to tell him, look, watch the games. A lot of South American players, 19, 20, 21 year olds playing. They're really good. This is a stepping stone. Watch it, support it, grow it, and we'll get there. Now, you had talked too about how the streaming access is not necessarily easy. Now, when the club was playing and had the YouTube TV contract, would, was that an option for you to be able to have a YouTube TV subscription? No, YouTube TV is not available here. So Bean Sports has the rights to the MLS up until 2022. Occasionally, the big games, so like the Galaxy game, they'll be on ESPN as long as there's not basketball, NFL, or baseball being shown on, on there, or even ice hockey. For example, with the games coming up this week, ESPN has a Galaxy game. Bean Sports has, has the Houston San Jose game, Seattle, Minnesota game. Orlando Atlanta game on their streaming side, not their TV channel side. New York Red Bull Sporting, Chicago, New England, Nashville, Cincinnati, Columbus, Philadelphia. They're the games that they've got coming up. So for the LAFC game, it's not being shown anything. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to jump on YouTube, try and find someone illegally streaming on there, trying to find an illegal website. And I'll happily talk to anyone about it that I illegally stream our games because I can't watch it any other way. You give it... Club Citizen goes 100 bucks for the year. You stream every game through our platform, done. I'll pay it. Don't care. League turns around and does, oh, we're going to do um, a, a subscription service to watch all the games. Done. Like, I, play f- I pay for MLB TV. I'm a bit of a baseball fan. I'll pay for that. Don't care. I've got friends so, that get red zone. Are you a Dodger fan too? Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Who do you no. support for baseball? So back in 2012, when I was here doing a big tour, went to my first ever baseball game. Went to the game, went, whoever loses, I'm supporting this year. I was in San Francisco at the time. Opening game of San Francisco versus Dodgers. <laughs> oh, God. And with that, we're going to call it. <laughs> but that being said, though, I've been to more Angels games than any other games. That's, that's, not, it. that's, not, really, that's not really better. That's yeah. <laughs> I have lots uh, of friends who are Giants fans. It's okay. Nobody's perfect. Well, you know, and, and honestly, Jonathan, for you, it's interesting too, because, you know, you half your life was spent in the Bay Area, but your other half of your life, you were in San Clemente, which is Orange County, right? Which that's actually closer to Anaheim. So it's, and it, but you end up becoming a Dodger fan. So I just, it's, it's interesting how things all work. Well, my father is from here in the San Fernando Valley. That's where he was raised. So he was raised a Dodger fan, even though he lives up in NorCal now. My mother obviously has been a baseball fan since before the Angels played in the MLB. And she was always a Dodger fan her whole life as well, too. So growing up in Angels territory, believe me, there's just as many Dodger fans in Orange County as there are Angel fans down there. And then my entire family up in NorCal that uh, don't have Dodger affiliations all hate the Giants because it's all East Bay represent Oakland days all the way up there. So I clicked, uh, baby. Uh, nobody, I, nobody likes the, the Giants, but I have but, but plenty, you, you, plenty of friends who are Giants fans. Obviously, when I was living up there, it's all right. Yeah, you have to admit, Giants Stadium is a good stadium. It's a nice oh, stadium. Beautiful, oh, no, that, beautiful that's, stadium. that's a beautiful stadium right there on the water, too. That I, 
They have lobster, like lobster rolls there, dude. Every time I go to a game at, at uh, Chase Field now, because it's no longer at t Park, whatever it's called, Oracle Stadium, right? Yep. Yeah, Oracle Stadium. Chase Field's in Arizona, yeah. All right, so yeah, Oracle, Oracle Stadium, but uh, yeah, it's a great stadium. One of my former employees was Cole Kuyper, wonderful guy, whose father is Dwayne Kuyper, retired baseball player and has been the voice of the Giants for many, many, many years. So Cole worked for me and his pops would occasionally roll by and see his son at work. So one time when I'm there, you know, word had got around. Of course, everybody who knows me in any walk of life knows that I'm a diehard Dodgers fan. So obviously everyone's like, oh, look, Dwayne, oh, you look there. There's there's the Dodgers fan and being respectful. And I, you know, I have nothing against Dwayne Kuyper. He's, he's a great broadcaster. So I went up to him and I shook his hand and said, you know, look, it's a pleasure to meet you. You know, you're a legend. I, I appreciate what you do for the game. Go Dodgers. And he's all here. Hold on a sec. And he pulls the World Series ring off of his finger and he says, hold out your hand. And he sets the World Series ring in my hand and he goes, that's what a championship feels like. As a Dodger fan, you'll never know. Well, how about that, Dwayne? How about them apples? <laughs> yeah, we can, you can only do it in a shortened season, though, so it's okay. Oh, There's my a little asterisk. God. Well, well, let's talk about the Giants and asterisks real quick here. All right, <laughs> All right Mr. Bonds. Yeah. <laughs> um. But anyway, anyways, let's move back, back, to back with LAFC. Back with LAFC. Yeah, going back to LAFC. Um, so you're saying you're saying that the MLB has a better package down in Australia in terms of being able to have Australians access their games versus hundred percent. Yeah. Even the ice hockey has better packages down here. We get access to NHL TV. It's not cheap, but you can access it. Um, you got NFL Red Zone, NBA TV. MLB TV, all these other big American sports have packages for for Australians. Why doesn't the MLS? It's just Don Garber. Oh, I know you're listening. We need to write a letter to to Don Garber. We got to petition him. We got to make sure that he knows we have people in Australia. We got people in the UK. Obviously, I know that Europe watches in South America. That's why their players are here. But we have we have someone trying to grow the game. Let's give the man access at least for him to 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 sprout it out out there. You know, and it, it, I guess that's something I've never even really had to think about you know it's like no wonder maybe the mls doesn't have as big of a a following across the world because you can't watch it if you're not able to watch every single game or one specific team of course it's not going to be on your radar you know like i know that cricket shows up every once in a while here in america but i don't know who the teams are and i don't follow any of the teams but i'm sure that if it or rugby even right Certain rugby matches, like you'll see rugby matches, whether it's sevens or uh, Aussie rules or whatever, right? But I don't know who the teams are. They don't pop up enough. So if I don't, if I don't get any kind of consistency, it, it's just something that I might watch or I might not watch, you know. And it's, it's, I had, I really had no idea that that's what it was like in other parts of the world where you just aren't able to catch the games. Oh, I have easier access to watch Rodriguez play in Spanish second division than do to watch the MLS. I can watch all the Spanish second divisions on YouTube. The league around said, whatever countries don't have TV rights, they can watch it through this YouTube channel that we will put up. Interesting. I mean, another thing is we need to write a letter to make sure uh, to be in. That, who wants to watch Nashville, Cincinnati, first of all? Like, what the hell is that? That that doesn't make sense to me. Like, put, put some, well, some was teams the, with attractive the other football. One set? Who's San Jose playing this week that he had mentioned? Houston? He's like, there's a San Jose game. Houston. Yeah, yeah. That's 
Who wants to watch yeah. Houston San Jose? Well, not yet. I guarantee you it's probably more of a Fox not wanting to release their broadcast thing than it is them and their desire to have an LA versus a brand new expansion franchise. I'm sure the folks at BN Sports would love to carry that. I would imagine that's more of a rebroadcast of Fox issue versus rebroadcasting someone else. But I think uh, BN speculation. holds them. BN holds those. Yeah, yeah. BN holds strain rights to, to it. So it doesn't matter what channel's on over there. Like, for example, at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning where kickoff is, BN Sports showing WTA Big Ten highlights, replay of the Stoke Preston EFL Championship, and a replay of the Aberdeen Livingston Scottish Cup game. At 9 o'clock, they're replaying Wolfsburg by Munich tennis, and then that's it, really. That's all they're showing. Just replays. Wow, that's that's I, I don't know. That just seems like really poor. So, were you able to catch the Conca Champions matches though? Because that was now teams from Mexico. Yeah, no. So Concacaf Champions League, we got to watch through the Concacaf YouTube channel because no one in Australia has the TV rights to it. So on their so YouTube channel, have, that must have been fun then. That must oh, have been yeah. really nice for you to do. Watch every game live. Yeah. Go back and watch them again. So you hate Janela too. Got it. <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, you know, what what is your expectation of this season? Well, first of all, how how much do you think we'll beat Austin by this weekend? I will be surprised if they don't score a cheeky goal against us. So I'm going a three one win. That's what I had in mind from a scoreline perspective myself. And then expectations for this 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 season. You know, what what is considered a failure. What do you, as the representative of uh, supporters in, uh, in Australia, what do you want from this team? I want them to show heart, show heart, show fight, play for the badge, play for the city. If if they're out there giving, a, you can see they're giving one hundred ten percent every game. They're chasing down every ball, and we lose one nil. Yeah, I'll be disappointed, but I'll I'll cop it. I'd love to see us make the U.S. Open Cup games. If we don't make that, at least make playoffs if not the final we don't make the final it'll be a bit disheartening after what we've done in the champions league last year so mls extra time one of the big podcasts put on by some of the head writers for the league basically came out and said this week if lafc doesn't win a trophy then that is a poor season for the team would you echo those sentiments no no i i don't see us winning every trophy I can see us making the finals, but it all depends on how we step up in the finals. If you look at when we got knocked out by Seattle in the final, was our best game? No. Do I think some of our players got a bit nervous on the big stage? Yeah. If they can try and if they don't overcome that, we won't win another. T- won't win the the title if or a trophy. As long as they're out there giving one hundred ten percent, especially in the in the big games, and we lose one nil, we lose one nil. As long as they're giving heart and showing what playing for this club really means is the main thing for me. Yeah, it should be duly noted that on that show, most of them predicted that we would win the double of Shield and Cup. So we'll certainly take that. You know, what's what's interesting, uh, Brendan, that you have more tolerance than some of the faithful here in LA, where, you know, if there's heart and playing for the badge and we don't get the result then you're still with the club. I think here there is more sentiment if we don't get a trophy or if we don't get the MLS Cup this year, they want Bob's head. They want to fire John Thornton. They want to break down the team and restructure it. So it's an interesting perspective from you that you have a more better set of standards for the team versus uh, immediate expectation and then kind of see what 
happened to Atlanta after a year or two of success, then all kind of falling apart for a few seasons. Oh, yeah. We look at it too. Is LFC is not playing against 11 other people. They're playing against 14, 15 other people at all times. you got the referee. If he's having a bad game, calling bad fouls against us, that point there, what are you going to do? you got the Lions judges. If they're calling offsides on the 50-50 calls, what are you going to do? The VAR official. If he's calling him over, he's got, oh, check this out. On stuff that shouldn't really be calling him over about, what are you going to do? As long as they're doing 100% and doing what they can, might be getting bad calls from the ref, might not be, you don't know. That's where you're putting as well. The players can't change that. You know, I think that there is one thing, though, that if LAFC does not win any sort of hardware this season, that is then another season that we are not able to participate in the CONCA Champions League for next year. And that, I think, is something that is detrimental to the momentum that we've had because, you know, LAFC has grown very big, very fast in order to maintain that trajectory of uh, notoriety and popularity and growth. You want to be on the big stage as often as possible. And if you continue to fall short, ultimately culminating in a, and not having access to a competition, it's, it's not going to be a good look. Oh yeah. I agree completely. I agree completely. That's, an actual statement but as i said you can play as best as you can if the rest having a bad day if you're just having a bad day not much you can do about it you just got to hope that your good days are way out outweigh the bad days well i couldn't have put it better well, that brings us to our final question and thank you so much for your time and the distance and the hour and everything in which you have gone to to accommodate us so appreciative but before we send you out to your day sir and us to bed we have one last question for you and and that serves what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? To me, shoulder to shoulder means community. The fact that I could walk into Christmas Tree Lane, walk to any of the tents there, and I'm embraced. Doesn't matter whether you're white, black, Asian, purple, doesn't matter what your color is, what your race is, whether you're transgender, homosexual, doesn't matter at all. You are embraced by this community that's more of a family than anything and you're loved being able to pre-COVID standing shoulder to shoulder with anyone turning around scoring a goal giving a big hug high five to me that is what shoulder to shoulder is about it's about bringing the community together stopping the hate stopping the violence and just coming together for one thing that is what shoulder to shoulder is beautifully said beautifully said well once again sir thank you so much for joining us we sincerely appreciate it to make the effort as significant as it was in this case sincerely appreciated by us and hopefully next time you're back out here across the other pond beers are on us this time and we'd be happy to treat you it's us that owe you a scarf i think this time no disrespect to your friends in the black army good people over there uh, but that that'll bring us to an end our next show we will have our first game recap since we were crashed out in the ccl it's going to be great to have some meaningful football played once again by the black and gold so excited to see all of you. Also to happy to say uh, I will be in the broadcast booth this weekend for the MASL finals, both the game on Friday and game potential games on Sunday are going to be free to watch on Facebook MASL page. So head over to the major arena soccer league page. You can catch that Friday night, Sunday afternoon. So game one, you get four quarters of action. San Diego is the quote unquote home team from Ontario on Friday. And then on Sunday, somebody is going home with a Ron Newman Cup. Could it be San Diego Soccer's 
maintaining their all-time record for most championships ever for indoor soccer? Or could it be our hometown team taking its first trophy ever? We know that the Ontario team is stacked, defensive player of the year, coach of the year, heart and soul player of the year, MVP finalists. This is going to be some really, really exciting Hawk Sox. So hopefully you guys get a chance to join and I'll get off my indoor soapbox there. Really excited to be back in the booth with Philly. And Craig Elston from San Diego will be joining us for the broadcast this weekend, which should be very fun. So hopefully you guys get a chance to catch that out. Please, please, please learn the chant for Mo. Sing it if you are going to be in the stadium. We know that you are probably not going to find out till last minute if you get tickets or not. If you are so privileged to be one of the few that gets to be in the stadium, please do your due diligence to pay one of our own your respects. And with that, on behalf of Chris, Christian, sound engineer, Wilton, and myself, Jonathan, with sincerest thanks to our guest, Brendan, tonight, we're going to go ahead and call this a show. So thank you, everyone. Take us home, Sticks. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.